1: 7 Dragon Radio. I'm your host, Emma. I'm here today with Ted McLiman. Correct. And I said that perfectly today. So welcome to the show.
2: It is my pleasure to be here on this beautiful day.
1: And again, thank you for your service.
2: Uh, it was a pleasure. It was an adventure, sometimes more exciting than others, but here I am today.
1: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Everything is an adventure. But you have a wonderful book out and a program that goes with it. So what led you into the book of Discover Your Money Temperament?
2: Well, Melissa, I've been working with people and money my entire life. Uh, and, and I've got, well, my, actually, my wife has a notebook of all the things I've done crazy with money. And she brings it out from time to time to let me know. But uh, I was commissioned uh, as a second lieutenant of the United States Marine Corps out of Colgate University a long time ago. And I just wanted to get some money for graduate school and find some sunshine. Central New York is not noted for a place to go get a tan. Well, the Marine Corps had the foresight to send me to Hawaii, my first duty station. And there I found sunglasses and sunscreen and primary colors (laughs) and had the opportunity to start watching people do incredibly stupid things with money. Um, You've got a background with the military. You understand how that can happen. First time with money exchange, high cost area, it's easy to get in trouble. And we started finding it was causing domestic problems, substance abuse, performance problems, loss of security clearances, uh, failure to be able to be re-enlisted. So I was put on a group as a Lieutenant to start looking into this. And we started fixing it a little bit. Uh, a couple of years later, uh, and I first that was my first introduction that, that people in different parts of the country work with money differently. There are cultural differences. There are definitely behavioral differences. And the bottom line is that, that we have a, an abysmal track record with money literacy. From there, I, I put a letter to get out of the Marine Corps. They didn't accept it, but they sent me to graduate school. And there, uh, my payback was teaching economics at the Naval Academy. There, I found out it takes very smart people to really screw up money. And, and we actually had ensigns and lieutenants losing their commissions because they were making foolish money money choices. And we started working from there. And again, it validated my perspective that, that, that behavior is what's important, not the money. Uh, did some other things in the Marine Corps, ended up as an aide to the Secretary of the Navy for uh, financial management, worked with the House and the Senate. And there I found the political class has a completely different construct of money. <laughs> And uh, it's, uh, but again, behavior is what it's all about. Uh, When I retired, uh, became an independent financial advisor, did the traditional financial planning thing. And just before 2008, I became a little bit disenchanted with the traditional construct of what money is and financial literacy, because I saw some crazy things happening in the uh, real estate market. Uh, some people doing some very strange things. Uh, think Bitcoins today. And, and I knew we were heading into problems. So I wrote my first book for my clients to get them understanding that, that they need to get control of their money. And I, I, I began to understand that as a financial advisor, my job was to understand and manage behavior, not money. And I was trained traditionally. I was trained that we're all rational. We all make great decisions. If we've got enough information that money's really not that hard. All you've got to do is have the right product and right service and go do it. Well, how's that working?
1: Yeah, that doesn't really work today. <laughs>
2: no, it, not. It yeah. hasn't
1: worked in years. <laughs> I don't think
2: it's ever worked actually. <laughs>
1: Well, that could be true too.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, so what I did is I sold my practice a couple of years ago and I've written three books on the subject. Uh, I call it uh, behavioral financial wellness now, because I want to start making us start thinking about the idea that that financial literacy is fine. Now, financial literacy, the level of financial literacy in the United States is not real stellar. We really don't teach it in school. We just kind of assume you're going to figure it out It's kind of a trial and error process. And again, it's all focused on product, where product is irrelevant. Products now are a quasi commodity. So my I wrote a book. Uh, my first book was out there, and a guy by the name of J. Alexander Martin, one of the founders of the FUBU Corporation, Damon John is was his partner on, on Shark Tank. Read the book and said, "You got to help me." He called me up and we started working through his money behavior. And he was doing everything he thought he was supposed to do, which was spend eight to ten thousand dollars a week clubbing, have a big car, a big house, uh, a half a million dollar uh, 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 watch collection, and all show. So he had a money mindset, not a wealth mindset. So I started to work with him. We said, you know, we need to write a book on that. So I I co-authored a book with Jay talking about his story about money. and it's actually going to be re-released, I think sometime this summer. But about just before COVID, I saw a lot of the same behaviors that the economy was going well, people were doing things, the internet was allowing us to do crazy things with money at warp speed with no accountability. Uh, We could get advice on anything from anybody, anywhere with no accountability. And I was seeing that same behavior I was seeing in 2008. So I wrote my current book, which is Discover Your Money Temperament, A Common Sense Guide to Financial Security as a way to make people say, wait a minute, stop. It's not about money. Again, it's about behavior." And I wanted to write a book that was for people that would never buy a book about money, but should, have never taken a course in financial literacy, but should have. And the book is written as a metaphor of going back and forth to the mall and your relationship at work and just how you get into spending situation. There are no product recommendations. There's no math. I don't talk about the stock market once. I just talk about your head. On money. And that's what I do now.
1: That is wonderful. Um, my daughter is teaching me economics as she understands it.
2: Ah, very good. And how does she understand it?
1: Very confusingly. <laughs> <laughs> okay, my daughter's 18, but she's autistic. So there's some aspects of her personalities that's stuck in an eight year old, basically. Okay. okay, so we go through economics but by the point of view of a cartoon character.
2: Oh, I love it. Okay. Okay. That's interesting.
1: If I can sit, get her to sit down with me to actually write her economic ideas down. Right. And we have it as a cartoon for kids because she's teaching economics to people that play Minecraft with her that are from eight to 13.
2: Got it. Got it. That's brilliant. That is absolutely brilliant. And you bring up a good point because money is about your brain. Mm-hmm. And everybody's brain is different. So I, when I got into this, I, I had to sit down and say, we had to eliminate the stereotype that we're all alike, the one-size-fits-all approach to money and life in general. And you've got a classic example. If you tried to, to teach traditional financial literacy, economics and like with your daughter, it would fail miserably.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: However, you're coming up with a program that fits her. It's a one-size-fits-all you approach. And that's what I recommend in my book. What I talk about is there are three things that conspire against us every time we spend. Number one is our biology. As humans, we're just not wired to work well with money. Uh Our brains are ancient. Uh Money's been around a few thousand years. And fundamentally, I call it our feeling brain to keep it simple. Just our emotional feeling brain is just not designed to do well with money. It's designed to keep us aligned and pass on our genes not do taxes, read the small print on a credit card or, or plan for retirement. Yeah. So we it's, need to have a different as,
1: solution. As humans, we don't think about that stuff. We go, no. we need this to survive today. We don't exactly. think about what we need to survive in 20 years.
2: Well, exactly. And our, our feeling brain is, is primitive, automatic, non-conscious and in charge. It's where we're comfortable. It's our default. So when you're in a con, you know, it's not an issue if you're walking into the, uh, you know, the 7-Eleven and you pick up an extra something, you know, on the way out, it's probably not going to break the bank, but it does become consequential when you're spending, I think the average price of an automobile right now is between thirty-five and $38,000 and you can get a lease or, or a credit for 84 months now, that's more than seven, six, six and a half, seven years. And, and, and our brains are just not good at computing what that means financially. What we are very good at with our feeling brain is smelling the new leather, to feel the new car, to project ourselves. what it's going to be like driving through the neighborhood at five miles an hour, waving to everybody that you have a brand new car and you're special. But that's a dopamine hit that wears off over time. And now you're saddled with this, incredibly long requirement to pay for an automobile that I guarantee in a couple of years, it's going to get a couple of dings. It's not going to feel as good. You know, the new smell is going to wear off at some point, but you've still got this Albatross around your neck. And it's very hard for us to sit down in an environment which is designed to make us comfortable spending money to sit down and go, wait a minute, let's back up a little bit. Let's go to my thinking brain is, do I really need the extra $10,000 combination, navigation, entertainment, Bose stereo, super do color? Yeah. Do we
1: need the PlayStation in the backseat for the kids?
2: Exactly. Exactly. Particularly if you don't drive any place or better, worse, you don't have any kids, <laughs> you know? So, but, but that's what we do, but we do it in most of our, 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 we have to understand that spending is emotional. It is driven by the neurotransmitters, dopamine, serotonin, things like that it makes us feel good. Mm-hmm. And, and we're all naturally wired biologically to have a unique thumbprint with regard to our money. Then we factor in the fact that, that our, our belief set with money is well established by mid-adolescence. It's a function of our family and where we were probably in middle school. So you've got pretty much that same belief set with money as you did in junior high school. You can change that, but it's hard. And the next piece is technology. Uh, Our parents and grandparents grew up in a very, very different economy. The technology wasn't there. There were things happening on the other side of the world in the 60s that nobody knew about because that technology did not bring that forward. And I learned when I first became a financial advisor that I sometimes had a fair amount of time to react to something that was going on economically or politically. Today, it happens instantaneously. Uh, Take a look at what happened with GameStop a few months ago when a bunch of people on Reddit got together and pushed that price up. Bitcoin and blockchain are another example. You can do this instantaneously, which means you can make a lot of money, but you can also go really, really broke. So. Our biology, our belief set and technology comp- conspire against us. And the question is, what do you do? Because the old rules are not working, which is one size fits all, classical finance, classical economics, there needed to be a solution. And that's the part two of my book, The Money Behavior System.
1: I mean, if you take my dad, who was a Korean War vet, I mean, that's a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> He's no longer with us, but I'm going through his finances now. And I'm like, dad had all this stuff packed away and set up for his kids mm-hmm. because he had the mindset of, I only need this much amount of money to live on. What am I going to do with this other money? Well, I'm going to sit it on the shelf. That's literally what he did. And that was his mindset. He was exactly. a packet of money.
2: Yep. Yeah, my dad did the same thing. Exactly the same thing.
1: You go back to the older generations. We have our pack rats. We have the ones that buy, 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 buy and load up their houses or you have the ones that are the pack rats of money and puts it on the shelf. Now, don't get into stocks. You don't want to do that. That's dangerous. Yes, Mm -hmm. it is. Mm -hmm. That's my dad's thinking. Don't do this. Don't do that. You don't need that. Now, why do you need a brand new car when a used car is just as good. Absolutely. This is Absolutely. This is things my dad would say. This is what we did. So I learned from him to be a money pack rat.
2: And there's nothing wrong with that. But on the other hand, there are some folks that live, grew up in a different environment and they see no issue or consequences of spending. Yes. I had a client not so long ago that You know, they were the, uh, their parents, one was a lawyer, very successful lawyer, one was a surgeon, they grew up in a very affluent household, and she became an elementary school teacher and married a sheriff, sheriff's deputy. Mm -hmm. Their parents paid more in quarterly taxes than the two of them made in a year, but she wanted to sustain the same lifestyle she grew up with. Something had to give.
1: Mm
2: -hmm. And that became a very interesting discussion of her responsibilities and the reality she lived in. And then what I think complicated the problem is her parents were sustaining her old lifestyle. They were subsidizing the family. I don't judge, I don't say it's yeah. right or wrong. I'm just saying right. that's the reality. And it caused, and it complicated the, her situation greatly.
1: I'm, my sister was, my dad sustained her lifestyle. There you go. <laughs> so now dad's not there. She has to change her mindset. So right. now little sister is getting stepping in and trying to teach her what you do.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, and in, in the in the discussion we're having right now is if I was having this discussion with hundreds of clients and, and people that I write for and where I do a lot of speaking, and they're going through the same story that there's they're they they go my, you know, I grew up in a family of five five siblings. And every one of us had a different perspective on money and a different mindset. And my parents had each one had a different perspective. And I started working with clients and I said, they have a different perspective. So I got into this and this is the biology component that that we are naturally wired to have a certain money mindset or wealth mindset that is reflective of who we are. And it goes right down to our genes. So what I had to do, what I started saying is let's, let's not fight about that because the old mantra used to be, you're going to come into my office as a financial advisor and I'm going to give you a a standard cookie cutter approach, which usually starts with probably something that is very analytical to capture all your spending and put it into a budget and do all these things that you're probably, or you may not be wired to do. I mean, it's the old, you know, I give you a 50-page a document that's an 8-point font, uh, uh, font, and I ask you to write down everything you spend for the next 30 days. Well, you get excited, you write it down, maybe going from the office to home, the next day you write down some of it, the third day you try to capture, the fourth day you're, it's done you're not going to do it. Yeah. And, and that's because we're trying to impose a process that might work for me, because I'm one of the few guys that actually like this stuff and read the perspective, you know, the footnotes and the perspectives, but not everybody's wired that way. But we've got the uh, an inherent bias in our financial system that we're going to give you a, a one size approach. And we're going to focus on the process and the tools and not the behavior. And that's my opinion, why people get in trouble. And we've got to change that mindset.
1: Yeah, we, it all comes down to changing the mindset. I have a grandmother that doesn't know the meaning of a dollar. Where, <laughs> where her husband was a money pack rat and always had money stashed away for whatever toys he wanted to buy. Exactly. And exactly. it's all in the mindset. So I bring it home to my family where you do this for hundreds of people. But at the same time, I can go through everything you're teaching to people and bring it to one person in my
2: family yeah and and it, and that's what i try to convey in the book um the book again is based on stories i use again the metaphor and i created a little character i called apex a dot p-e-x-x is kind of your sherpa to, to navigate through this and and the money behavior system is really the the most important part of the book which is part two and it starts with what i call money value which is chapter five which is the most important chapter of the book and it's called money values. Money values are not stuff. It's not, it's in most financial planners, we talk about goals and goals are translated into generally retirement income, house, college, vacation, and one cool thing. Okay. That is not about va- that. Your values drive those things, but that's not really your deepest values. Let me give you an example. If, 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 you're buying a house and, and you're a realtor and somebody says, I want a house. I want it in a good school district. And they go, okay, fine. I'm going to put a pin in the map, take you here. This is the best schools, whatever. That's not what they're saying. What they're really saying is I want an environment that is going to be good for my family. I want a school system that's going to allow my, my children to thrive. Mm-hmm. Why do you want your children to thrive? Because I want them to be self-sufficient. Why do you want them self-sufficient? Because I don't want them coming back to my house and living in my basement. Okay, what is the true value? It's not a house. It's a process that's going to let people be self-sufficient and thrive because reality is at some point, I want to have my own life. That's very different than I want a White House. That's what I mean by values. Values are your big V things that if they're not accomplished, are going to cause you emotional anxiety and it hurts. Number two is your money temperament. Money temperament is just how you're naturally wired with money. I don't care what it is, but you need to know. In the book I bring up three, but they're really 20, 30 and different biases we all have. In other words, are you naturally wired to be a spender or saver? I don't care. I don't care if the valet at Nordstrom's knows your name or you can account for every penny you've ever made for the last 30 years. That is not the point. The point is which gives you natural comfort and satisfaction emotionally to spend money or save money. Now. Most people fall around the middle, they're average. If you're an outlier and you've got dysfunctional problem, that's a different deal and you need yeah. some help. Okay, so first, are you a spender or saver? Secondly, are you a maximizer or sufficer? What I mean by that, are you the type of person that demands 100% return on everything you do? Are you the type of person that's kind of, yeah, we go with the flow, it's okay. The reason I say that is how you look at things and the type of things you buy will be influenced non-consciously by your perspective Do you want it all? Or are you okay with kind of a compromise? And the last thing is risk. When I say risk is not risk of losing money, it's the emotional pain of losing money. And what I mean by that, my dad came out of the generation that he would sit in front of the TV and watch financial shows all day long, even though he had no money invested in the market, would yell and scream because he thought he was losing money, even though he was not invested in these products, Because the pain for him and his generation of losing money was unbearable. So we've got to have a system that you should have a financial plan that accepts the fact that you're a spender, accepts the fact that that you're a maximizer, and accepts the fact that that, uh, maybe you're risk adverse. You should have a plan that accommodates that. So the next thing I'm gonna ask you is what's your money knowledge? Money knowledge is not technical knowledge. It's how do you process information? It's your learning style. Are you a visual learner, auditory, tackle? you have to see? And you should demand in an important financial decision that the information is presented to you in a way that you can take it in and assimilate it and use it effectively. If you don't like numbers and spreadsheets and we in the financial industry love numbers and spreadsheets, Mm -hmm. sit back and say, no, explain it to me. It's okay. Then, the, then you build your strategy should be, my money strategy should be, what's important in life to me? What are my big V values? What do I want to have over time? What gives me meaning? It, then how am I naturally wired with money? How do I process information? So I need a strategy that's going to help me achieve what's important to you, but accommodate my natural money temperament and how I process information. Then you bring that together to give you a big picture view of where you want to go. And then finally, you build the plan. That's when you start bringing in stuff, Mm -hmm. investments and savings accounts and all that. But it should be in a way that number one, supports your values. But number two, it works for you. If it doesn't work for you and you can't explain it in your own language, why you have something and what it is, and you can't live with it, it's not a good fit and i don't care what it is
1: right it's like someone was bringing me into a new investment thing okay i'm a numbers person give okay. me numbers give me the spreadsheets give me the numbers how am i am i making the money back they can't tell me that they can tell me about the product
2: okay oh, yeah. exactly they'll give you a pretty brochure or a pretty picture yeah yeah but
1: that's not what i need
2: and and What I think as a financial advisor, I do a lot of work with with financial firms and financial advisors now that that what I try to make them understand is your responsibility is to your client, not the company that's providing you this stuff. Mm -hmm. And whether anybody in the financial industry wants to admit it, everybody's got the same stuff. They just got different color brochures and their little features that are different. But it's like saying there's a difference between you know, uh, different car lines, you know, the cars are basically the same. They come off the same line. Once you just got nicer stuff in there different features and benefits, but they're fundamentally the same thing. So what you've got to be able to do is sit down and, and unwind that. And if you can't walk out and say, as an advisor that I gave them a program that works for them based on their natural money, temperament, how they process information and their values, I'm negligent. And I think there's a lot of financial planning going on out there. And a lot of people in the financial industry that are in fact negligent because they're practicing traditional financial literacy and financial sales, which is just pushed off as opposed to getting a good fit, that you've got a program that fits who you are with money. And if you're married, have a spouse, partner, whatever, They're probably different. So you have to sit down and figure out some kind of compromise that if you're a numbers person, you're comfortable going through the details, but you might be with somebody that could care less. They just want to see the picture. Well, you need to work through that.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, you have to marry the two halves of the relationship with the money. If you're a money person and they are spender, have separate bank accounts.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Or give each other an allowance. Mm -hmm. You have to do something in there. See, if I had, I had a, here's a quick story. I had a client a number of years ago that I was talking to her. I gave her, you know, we went through and I said, you're naturally a spender. And she, she found fault with that. She said, no, I'm not. I'm maxing out my, my retirement plan. I said, I know that. So she was putting 10, $12,000 a year into her plan and that's commendable, but she was making $250,000 a year net. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, now, there was something out of sync there. Yeah. And and so my solution for her was to set up a program that made it easy to save and difficult to spend. So we took everything we could and put it on auto pay. Everything was taken care of. And then at the end of the month, we dropped it into her account and said, you can do anything you want with that because everything else is taken care of. And that worked masterfully. Mm-hmm. And that's as simple as that. It's little tools to not fight how we're naturally wired with money, but figure out first who we are and then design a strategy that works for us. Right. And then follow it.
1: It's easy to follow a program if you design the program for yourself to set yourself up to succeed.
2: It's like working with a good coach in anything. If you want to lose weight, there are lots of ways to lose weight. Basically, it's more energy out than calories coming in. I mean, that formula hasn't changed in a few million years. There are a lot of ways to make that happen. To be successful, you need to find a coach who understands you, your mindset for weight control, diet and exercise, understands your metabolism, how you're wired, your body makeup. And then they become a coach and a mentor to take you through that process we do that with diet and exercise we do it with life skills we do it with parenting we do everything else in our lives except one thing money, money. which is crazy you need an accountability coach and my belief to really do it well but that accountability coach is not just there as a purveyor of products and services they need to be somebody that understands you and designs a strategy that is going to work for you and you know it works if you're still using it in about 30 to 90 days and it's comfortable.
1: Right. I mean, you have to have your mentors. I have lots of mentors, but they have to be the right mentors for you. Same thing with money. You have to have the right people coaching you how to change your mindset for money.
2: Absolutely. And if it's not working for them, (laughs) (laughs) it's not that difficult.
1: No, it's not. I mean, (laughs) my, my autistic child figure this out for herself
2: exactly exactly and i would submit that she probably has some skill sets that you're going to discover that makes her very good at some of this oh yes and there's some places that are going to be beyond her her capability to deal with but there's stuff out there right now that i say it's beyond most humans capability to deal with i mean half the pro- there are a number of products out there right now that are available that i don't think the people that are offering them understand
1: they don't understand the product they have. So therefore their customer base isn't there because they don't know how to market their exactly. product for the people that need it.
2: Yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. And and it's, it's becoming really problematic again because of technology uh, with computers and supercomputers and things like that and algorithms. It's becoming easier and easier to design products and services that are much more complex and sophisticated that fewer and fewer people understand, and fewer and fewer suitable for the average American. But because of the internet, you can find anything. And now you can be a almost employed college student using all your life savings to buy something online as supposedly an investment as the club on Reddit recommended. Mm -hmm. And you wonder why it blows up.
1: I see this all the time. I, I watch the bitcoins, the cryptocurrency, I watch the stocks. Doesn't mean I don't invest, but I will watch them for a period of time
2: mm-hmm.
1: before mm-hmm. I even put $5. Yeah. And,
2: and, and, and on the one hand, the technology empowers you. It used to be back in your parents' and grandparents' day that there was a gatekeeper with a license, and if you wanted to get life insurance, you had to go through the gatekeeper, and that's all that person did. Then if you wanted a loan, you had to go to a bank. And if you wanted an investment, you went to a stockbroker. Mm-hmm. And it was pretty darn simple, and there were very distinct channels, and there weren't a whole lot of products and services. They were pretty straightforward, and it was done with carbon paper and three-part, <laughs> three-part forms and very analog. Well, now everybody is everything. You can go to a bank and get an investment. You can go to an insurance company and buy stock. You can go to a stockbroker and get insurance. Mm-hmm. So it's very muddled as to what these, what these, these purveyors of products and services truly are. And it's becoming very difficult to do your due diligence to truly figure that out. And it's even becoming more complicated to figure out if it's a good fit for you.
1: Right. Every, we have to... It's like an onion. Any place you go is like an onion. There's so many layers and you have to get through each layer to figure out if it's a good fit.
2: Oh, yeah, exactly. And our feeling brain gets involved in all this stuff. And our feeling brain... When it gets overload, looks for comfort food, if you will. And our comfort food is our group of like-minded people. So we tend to go out and it's called confirmation bias. We go to friends that are just like us that do not understand what's going on either and try to get validation what we did when it makes sense. And we do it online on Facebook and Twitter and whatever. And we get a bunch of people that give you a thumbs up. They have no accountability, no response to what happened, but you just took a committee vote and you just bought a $50,000 automobile on your $30,000 salary. Because everybody thought it was a good idea and they help you pick out the truck color. Okay. That's crazy, but that's human nature. That's the way humans think and work. What you should do is talk to somebody to talk you out of it, not talk you into it. But that's just our human brain being very human on money. We do it all the time. We like stories. We don't like numbers. We, We are emotional. We are emotional animals who think. We're not thinking animals with emotions. 99, 95 to 99% of all our spending decisions are non-conscious, automatic, and emotional. So you've got to have a mindset that if it's important, I've got to stop, smack myself on the side of the head and make a consequential decision, which is thinking brain stuff, which is hard to do because it hurts, but you got to do it.
1: Yes. I mean, I go through things, people bring me stuff. I go, oh, this sounds great. Now let me re- do my research. Exactly. I will spend a month doing research before I make a commitment to anything.
2: Right, right. So, and that's how you're naturally wired. Mm-hmm. So you need a program that fits you. Yeah. Not me, because it's going to be different.
1: Right. So we're almost out of time. Yes, Where ma'am. can our listeners and our viewers find you?
2: Well, the best place is just my website. My author site is tedmcclyman.com, T-E-D-M-C-L-Y-M-A-N.com. Uh, I've got information on the book, uh, some things I've done. And uh, then there are links to a few other things. I've got a, a free course on the book if anybody would like to take it, just to give you some introduction. And the book is available as a hard copy, soft copy, an ebook on Amazon, Barnes Noble, and Noble, and actually Ingram's got it around the world. But again, what I'm trying to do is launch a movement to change the dialogue of financial literacy and money from people before product, understand your temperament, manage your behavior, than your money
1: wonderful and thank you so much for being on the show today
0: it's been my pleasure this has been a great fun
1: and for our reviewers and our listeners happy reading
0: bet mgm has an unreal deal for sports fans in virginia turn five dollars into 150 dollars instantly when you place your first wager at bet mgm simply download the bet mgm app and sign up using code champion 150 then